0: Welcome to Inside the Circle. This is a podcast that is part of a new venture starting this year. It's created by officials. It's basically going to be more outreach, a website, a podcast, uh, some social media and everything to uh, increase communication uh, from officials. But this isn't just for officials. Uh, It's an effort by officials, but it's also going to be for fans, parents, wrestlers, coaches, and uh as as officials we know how um, murky the rules can get as we're constantly working on them and, and and we hear a lot from fans parents wrestlers coaches and everybody else about it we also have a big rule change year so lots to get to so what better time than this fall to do it and uh, speaking of changes we have uh, some turnover in staff too but uh Joining me on this call, you'll hear his voice from time to time, I'm sure. Um, We got Shane Risner. He is a a very accomplished official. He is currently in the Mid-American Conference. Uh, Good to hear you, Shane. Good to see you as always, buddy. Thank you. And then also, the new NCAA coordinator of officials, Mike McCormick, is on. Mike, congrats on the job. Good to see you. Yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate it. And he's not just a pretty face, folks. Uh, hired to be our coordinator, uh, twenty-five times, ref the Division One championships and I wouldn't be lying if I didn't watch Darian Caldwell and Brett Metcalf's final about uh, 20 minutes ago uh so <laughs> you can see him in that match as well but uh hey congrats on the job Mike again and uh what what drew you to this position and uh you know uh threw your hat in the ring and um what are your thoughts now that uh, it's your gig well I you
1: know I'm been refereeing at a high level for a long, long time. And it kind of just felt like a natural progression for me. Um, I feel like I can probably serve us uh, when I say us officiating officials uh, at the collegiate level, especially um, better in the position I am right now than I was, you know, two months ago. Um, There are some things that uh, I, I, feel strongly about in, in uh, how we have to interpret rules or uh, apply them once they're interpreted for us. Maybe that's a fair way to, to say that, you know, some of you guys were on the call last night um, and uh, I think having a seat at the table now will allow me to kind of influence us uh, better, so to speak.
0: I like it. And, Obviously, a rule change year is, is uh, a big thing, especially in a year where the committee approved so many changes. Uh, every two years, there's rule changes on the table. Um, sometimes those uh, changes are very mild. Some of them are basically some grammar corrected in the rule book. And this year we have, uh, uh, quite the opposite. We have a very, very, uh, significant list of, of changes. And so as the NCAA coordinator of officials, you, already have the daunting task of getting hundreds of officials on the same page. So if you're going to an open in Massachusetts or you're going to go to a duel in Oklahoma or watch a, uh, a try in California, you are hoping that the officials are calling and, and positioning and everything in a rather similar manner. And then you throw on there uh, all the rule changes this year. So uh, it, if you could talk about how you know that's that's probably maybe your main priority.
1: Yeah, certainly. Uh so so uh you know and I and I referenced last night only because I know you guys were on the same call I was on. Uh you know th- there I think were 13 rule changes um I think all of them are pretty easy for us to uh interpret/apply except for the bow and arrow. <laughs> uh you know if I've been on the phone 30 times in the last two weeks, you know, 29.8 of the time. The first question is how are we going to do the bone arrow? arrow? Um, and so, you know, as of right now, today, honestly, uh, it's still to be determined, you know, Jimmy uh, has to figure out the language uh, that's appropriate and consistent with other rules in the rule book so that there's consistency, um, which I appreciate. Certainly uh, it's a hard task for him, but at the, talking. but at the same time, Uh, Sorry. Uh, At the same time, uh, you know, rules that make us have to think more, monitor more, uh, process more information and make a decision in a fraction of a second. I don't like (laughs) I just don't like it. We 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 have enough stuff uh, on our plate that we have to monitor and count and observe and make decisions on. Uh, And so when you know, things are added to our plate, uh, again, this is just Mike being selfish and looking out for us, I don't like it, um, and so, when I say I have a seat at the table, hopefully, I'm able to maybe influence, um, the powers that be into using certain language that gives us, uh, maybe a little bit of latitude and an opportunity to use our judgment, um, and, uh, yeah, so the other rules I think are easy. Look, a three-point takedown is easy. It doesn't change a single thing that we do when we're watching a wrestling match. It doesn't change when we think control is established, whether the inbounds or out-of-bounds. It's all irrelevant. The only thing that matters is that we have to do this instead of this, you know. Um, it's pretty easy. There are several administrative rules, you know, again, don't really affect us and what we have to do once, when we have a whistle in our mouth. So those are kind of not a big deal to me. Um, I really, really, really am glad they took away the hand touch, uh, takedown. Um, I think that was very, very confusing for fans. I think it was confusing for coaches and honestly, I think it was confusing for us, you know, depending on where you were, it may have been interpreted one way, um, as much as we maybe didn't like it, it was called one way in one place and not exactly the same way in another place. So the fact that it's back to, uh, most of the people on this call, the way it was our whole entire life until six or seven years ago, it's back to the way it used to be, you know, where control is control and it's kind of felt and established and we get to make a, make a decision. Um, so I love that. Um, the, um, uh, video sequence rule, I love, it allows us to, to fix things and not uh, have a kid penalized because maybe an official raise up his hand for a takedown, uh, you know, a half a second too soon or a second too soon, And then the coach was able to challenge when the takedown was awarded. And certainly that was his right within the rules. And that was just the way the rules were written. Um, But, you know, if an official just in haste or excitement raised his hand and the takedown wasn't there right when he raised it. And, and, you know, a fraction of a second later, the takedown was secured. The coach was able to to kind of say, hey, takedown wasn't there when you awarded, even though it was completed and, and given and awarded and earned you know a half a second later uh a second later the coach could challenge that and then you have to take take down off the board you know and that's just was uh the way the rules were written and so I'm very happy that that's changed and uh kind of made it like a football play out role for for years I've written uh in our survey uh, you know like you know 10 years ago in a football game if there was a fumble the whistle blew blah 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 you know whistle blows is a pile who's got the ball i think now uh when there's a fumble in a football game no one says a word no whistles are blown for the most part everyone just gets out of the way and let it happen knowing they can go back at the video and make it right um and so that was the analogy i gave in my you know surveys that i have written the last several years uh and just kind of use that analogy just as a play out rule similar to football and a fumble and uh, so i'm very happy you know uh that that was changed. Cause I think it's better for wrestling, you know, points that are earned should be given, um, not taken away from a kid simply because a referee raised his hand a fraction of a second too soon. You know, um, it's not that kid's fault.
0: Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's kind of like, the rule book is always going to be this ever growing document as more wow. situations come. Um, and there has to be sort of this black and white, this is how it needs to be called, but, and where use your common sense doesn't look so good in a rule book, right? Like, like your bow and arrow example and everything yeah. like that. Like use your freaking common sense doesn't really look too good in a document. Um, and then, of course, your task of getting everybody on the same page, you know, use your common sense doesn't exactly, uh, you know, sound like great leadership either, even though you kind of need it, especially yeah. in a dynamic sport like wrestling with all the different situations you could possibly encounter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've said for years, you know, not that I give up a, a ton of clinics a year, but, um, you know, the rule book is black and white, but we get paid to interpret the gray man, because, you know, in a high level match or even a low level match, there's going to be a point in that seven minute window where something's going on that you could say, Hey, this is the black and white of it, but you know, better, you know, you, you, you kind of interpret the gray and what's going on and apply it, um, the way you should. So, um, yeah, that's going to be a challenge. I think everything, the new rules are going to be very easy to kind of, uh, you know, disseminate that information down to everybody. Um, I think the, the sticker is going to be the bow and arrow and, and the language, um, that Jimmy chooses is going to really, uh, hopefully make it easier for us to, to be able to have a little bit of latitude, um, and, and how we call that specific hold, you know, it's obviously illegal in high school, um you know, I was at the coaches uh, convention down in Florida and I forget which coach, but they were already talking about it then a month ago. um, And they they had some statistics about the bow and arrow. uh, And when it successfully applied, it was well over 50 percent that it earns a four point near fall. You know, as opposed to a half Nelson, every time a half Nelson is put on, you don't always get near fall. Um, So it's a high percentage near fall. Uh, you know, resulting in near fall. But I personally uh, agree with the coaches, it, you know, most of the time a bow and arrow takes more than five seconds to get, you know, and to get, to sink it in right. And, you know, the reason why the guy goes over is because it fricking hurts. I understand that. Um, but, you know, Jimmy stated last night, all of these rules in the last six or seven years that, that are requiring us to count for the offensive wrestler, Um and they want more offensive wrestling. But yet we're maybe taking away one of the most potent offensive pinning combinations or near fall combinations there is. So um, I don't think the NCAA wants to make a specific interpretation for a specific rule um, and or make it illegal like high school does. But it sure would be nice if there were some tweaks that we could apply to a specific hold, like a bow and arrow, you know,
2: how is,
3: it, how, Mike, how how is the that rules
1: applied?
2: I'm How sorry, is different,
1: me? like from the Navy ride that we don't count on?
2: Because,
3: uh, uh,
1: because you're reaching back and getting the foot and ankle. That's why the Navy rides pretty much at the knee or above. I think that's, um, I think that's, how, how I was wasn't this? at the rules committee meeting this past April. Um, so I'm not privy to the conversation, but my guess is they didn't think about a bow and arrow when they passed this rule, <laughs> you know, it, which is not uncommon. Right. Uh, the first November, the first two weeks of November, every time there's a rule change year, um, we're circling the wagons, making decisions. All right. Well, how, you know, what happened? What did you see? Uh, you know, do we have to clean this up? Do we have to clean that up? And and it's certainly going to happen uh, with with these the new rule set this year. There's It's just a fact, you know. Um, although i think the majority of them are are fairly easy to interpret and apply um, there's always going to be something we haven't thought of you know that we're going to have to react to and i think that's pretty normal
0: yeah shane and i were even talking earlier today and it's kind of like i brought up the example of a cradle like if a guy snags a cradle off of the start of the third period cradle's a great move i mean many pins a year and near fall and everything like that but if it's a match we don't just let him sit there with it for a minute 55 and smile at his coaches and his right. mom and everything like that you know so it's like we don't want to make the cradle illegal but if a guy sat there with it then you know something needs to clearly happen we can't just let him celebrate for a minute 55 either so that's yeah. your you know we officiate in the gray probably right. you yeah. know, statement
1: that's true i mean it is you know we at some point in a match we got to make a tough decision you know, and it may not be popular all the time, but hopefully it's close to being right all the time, you know?
0: Yeah. So on the topic of top stalling, um, it's, I think there was this for, for people who aren't officials or, you know, necessarily don't have their noses in the rule books. There was sort of a blind spot for maybe lack of a better term in the rules in the last how many years that all it really said was to break down an opponent. Um, which kind of, I think. All so it didn't, they,
1: didn't take long for the coaches to figure that out, did it?
0: Right. Right. So, I mean, if, if you're, uh, you had two heavyweights and one's just laying there parallel on top of them and you're like, I have to call this guy stalling. He's absolutely doing nothing. Well, mm-hmm. the coach is rightfully so to bring you to the table and say, Hey, that's, that's not the rule. Like that's, that's not the rule. He broke him down. Um, okay. so finally we, we get this, um, But then that arises some, um, other situations too, where, uh, you know, we're going to want to see improvement. We're going to want, um, and then you're going to have situations like, uh, when to call a stalemate versus when to call a top stalling and then, uh, legs in if, uh, someone has the legs in and the bottom man's belt buckle is just glued to the mat and nothing's happening. Um, you know, can you give us some early thoughts on those situations?
1: Well, you know, um, yeah. I mean, I, I honestly
0: think that we are, we, as again, we as
1: officials are going to have to be more aggressive in how we call stalling on the offensive wrestler. I think it's clear, uh, over the last five or six, seven years, uh, with all of the new rule changes, um, you know, all of them pretty much apply to the offensive wrestler and, um, how do we get them to be more aggressive and get more near fall? Uh, and so, you know, I, I think that all of these rules that that have been passed this year are going to be real easy to do, other than maybe the bone arrow, and we've we've kind of hashed that out. Um, but I think as a as a whole, we're going to have to call stall in the way we used to call it before all these counts came in. You know, because I think honestly, all of these counts, you know, and I'm sure that I was just as guilty as everybody else. You are so focused on so many goddamn things and so many counts that we have to monitor and count and stop and start that you kind of lose the, maybe the focus on, but God, maybe the top guy is just stalling. You know what I mean? Um, And so I I think that we, we again just are going to have to be more aggressive in how quickly we bring up the top guy. Um, And so is that good, bad, or indifferent? Uh, Jury's out. Uh, but I think that's what the committee wants. You know what I mean? And I think in the preseason tournaments in early November, if we kind of set the tone early and make it known that guys on top are going to have to actually work for near fall and not just uh, lace an ankle with their leg and get a claw and, a you know, a spiral ride and come out to the side and get your 20 seconds and 30 seconds of riding time and then let them work back up and then break them down again. Um, I think that that's just not going to be tolerated uh, in the future as much as it was in the past, you know, and that puts the onus on us, quite honestly, right? Um, We're going to be the guys who have to make those hard decisions to, to bring a guy up for stalling when we don't think he's working for near fall.
0: The other interesting,
1: not easy, (laughs) (laughs) not easy again, not popular, (laughs) you know, Um, but nonetheless, I think that's what the, the, the rules committee wants.
0: Well, and we have to remember these are college wrestlers too. So it's not like if the top guy throws a half Nelson, they just go to their back. Like, Oh gosh, I've never seen this move before or anything like that. You know? So um, just because we're not turning them on top doesn't necessarily mean stalling either. And you hear yeah, horror right. stories. Yeah. You hear horror stories out of Ohio high school wrestling, where pretty much you have 30 seconds left in the period on top of, you don't turn them. You're getting hit the top guy. I don't think we want to see that either. That wouldn't make much sense to anybody either. Um, So, yeah, it's going to be going to be an interesting November for sure.
1: Yeah, 100 percent. You know, there's there's uh, we're going to have to react to some things that we weren't expecting. And that that's pretty normal, you know.
2: Mike, on the call last night with Jimmy,
1: um, he brought up an interesting point
2: and something that I'd like you to talk about, because it seems like it makes a lot of people very uncomfortable. When people start talking about the double stall call. Yeah. What are your feelings on stall call and do you think it has more of a place in wrestling this year than
1: it has in the past? Um I would say that in my thirty three years of officiating that I've probably only called a double stall call four or five times. Um I don't I think there are certainly Times where it could be called and uh each coach you know at least he can't complain too much right because the other guy got hit uh as well but there have been more instances in in the past where both guys are kind of doing nothing and i'll hit one and then 10 seconds later hit the other you know what i mean or 15 seconds um and every situation is different you know you certainly can't i can't sit here and say that would work in every situation because it certainly would not um but there have been times where if they're both kind of dancing and pushing and happy to be dancing and pushing um, or laying there and being laid on top of, um, that you could hit one, hit the bottom guy. You know, if the top guy doesn't do a thing, you can hit the top guy. At least they get a fresh start, uh, you know. So I, I know Jimmy said that last night. Uh, and I I I don't know that I personally am a massive fan of a double stall. You know, I don't know what the masses think. Um, but certainly I would say to you, I've watched enough matches where I'm like, yeah, damn, both these kids are stalling. You know, that doesn't mean the referee called it. It um, doesn't mean that I called it. Uh, but there are times where, you know, it, it could be an accurate call. Now, what do you think,
2: Shane? I think there's time that it could be an accurate call as well. And I also think it's one of those things that sometimes when you want to hit the one guy and then you want to hit the other guy 10 seconds later, if that guy starts doing something, you missed your opportunity to hit him.
1: Yeah, for sure. and,
2: and the other thing, it's a big call because if you double hit him in the first period and you have a third period scramble, now he doesn't have that option to jump out of bounds to get a free stall call because guess what? He's not going to go out of bounds, so the scoring situation is going to continue.
1: And he knows that. The kid knows that, right? I haven't 100%. Yeah, 100% he knows that. So as a referee, yeah, it's comforting to have a, a warning in your back pocket in the third period, right? Where you know you can ring them up and it's not gonna tie the match or or have the other kid win the match. Um, so there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of cat and mouse uh stuff going on. There's a it's a chess match, right? Especially between two really, really high level guys. And so even though there's not scoring, in my opinion, uh you know, much the opposite of freestyle, which I love to watch, you know, uh, there can be lots going on and no one has put a point on the board in free in folk style, in my opinion, you know what I mean? Um, And that doesn't mean they're stalling. That just means they're being really cautious about going underneath the guy, especially now where you're down three (laughs) nil instead of two (laughs) nil, you know, so the risks, the risk reward is different now, you know? Um, So you know, my assumption is this year there's going to be a lot of a lot more reattacks than maybe we saw in the past. You know, so I don't know. We'll see. You know, again, we'll, when when the kids hit the mat and, and get after it, we'll 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 be able to
3: figure this all out. Mike, um, some of the early conversations um, when they they announced these potential rule changes really were focused on the video review, and I completely agree with you, the video review and giving us the ability to not only correct the situation, um, but look for other things as well, you know, is, is pretty powerful. One of the things um, that was talked about a little bit last night that I maybe want you to to touch on was they've eliminated the verbiage from the rule book of dead time. Uh, Jimmy had kind of, Jimmy had uh, mentioned last night that there are situations where we are going to go back and add time on the clock if yep. it was a situation where the match should have been stopped. Right. Uh, for example, maybe, maybe an out of bounds. Uh, can you can you you know give us your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, as soon as
1: I saw that, I, you know, I called Jimmy, and uh, there absolutely is still dead time. Uh, you can't with the way the rules are now. Uh, there's no way there will not be at some point this season. Dead time. I think that the chances, excuse me, of it happening are are going to be greatly reduced, diminished because we now have this sequence that we're allowed to look at and make right. Um, But, yeah, I I think the example he used last night, which is the one I gave to him when we were in the convention, I mean, immediately I said, what if I take you down? Um, I lock my hands. The ref doesn't see it. um, And then I put you on your back and pin you. And the coach challenges the locked hands, you know, the kid that got pinned, his coach challenges the locked hands. I said, that's dead time. You were wrong. You're going to change the call. You go back to when I locked hands, you fix the clock, you fix the riding time, the pin comes off the board and you, you start in the down position. So yeah, there absolutely is going to be dead time. You know, the other one I thought of immediately was what if the kid's given the wrong choice in the third period, you know, Um, and he goes top or bottom for four or five seconds before everyone realizes that the wrong kid is down. Um, another example of dead time, you know, where uh, you'll take that three or four seconds off the clock. You put the right kid in the right position. Sorry, my dogs are barking. Um, and uh, you'll restart it, you know, two minutes. So, you know, there there are probably others, but, you know, those two quickly come to mind. And I'm sure there'll be something else that pops up where, you know, again, thank God now we have language in the rule book that says we can fix things uh, via the video sequence, you know, and in even if we want to go fix it, even if a coach doesn't throw a brick to challenge it, we know something's wrong Um, or we, you know, it doesn't pass the smell test. You know, we're like, I look at you and you're my assistant. We're like, Oh shoot, what did we do? You know, you now have the opportunity to go to the video and fix whatever mistake you made. So yeah, I love that rule. Uh, I love the video sequence rule. Um, But to answer your question, JR, yeah, there's absolutely going to be dead time. And I know that the verbiage was taken out of the rule book. But uh, in two years, my guess is it'll be back in there.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think I think they did a really good job on the call last night of explaining what the verbiage is. You know, obviously when they announce on the internet, hey, this was a potential change, and then they they announce, hey, this this got passed. You know, we don't really know what that is, but I think when they we talked about it last night, I, again, I think it was really really good. I think it probably clarifies a lot of the. You, you know, some of the doubts. Obviously, it's going to be a work in progress as the season yeah. goes on. So,
1: yeah, no, I agree. And, and you know, the, the, the not getting riding time, if unless you scored back points, uh, very happy that it didn't pass. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, immediately I said, what if you ride a guy for four minutes and you get three one counts, you know, but you don't get two. You know, first of all, it's no easy task riding a grown ass man for three minutes. Um, let alone, you know, tip him to 45 for, let's say he did it three or four times for one second, but you never right. got two consecutive seconds. You tell me that guy hasn't earned a point, a writing time point. So I was happy, again, selfishly, I was happy that rule didn't pass. Um, but the the ones that have, I, look, I think they're going to be very easy for us to apply. Uh, the only one that's going to give us any troubles is a bone arrow, you
0: know. I'm waiting on the uh, two, three and four near fall. I think, uh, you know, you're reffing a duel. You come up with four for one team, you come back with three in the next match. Uh, I I think, uh, there's going to be some fired up coaches with that one, but you just got to be better at your counts, right?
1: Yeah, no, I agree. You know, when that, when that passed, my only concern was that we may have more challenges, you know, I think, uh, between four seconds and two seconds, there's a definitive pause, um, and yeah, we still had some challenges when it came to near fall, but you know the difference between two and three is a point, and the difference between three and four is a point now. And so um, I think it may lead to, to more challenges um, in a dual meet or a, a tournament. But you know they still only get one challenge, right? I mean, if that's what they want to use the challenge on, hey, they're allowed to. It, you know we shouldn't take homage to that or be offended by that or or whatever. Um, if they're wrong, then they've lost a challenge, and they—that's what they chose to throw their brick on. So, so be it. I mean, let them do it. Uh, you know, I just think it, it will lead to more challenges based on a, a two count, or a three count, or a four count, as opposed to a takedown. You know what I mean? That's all.
0: Absolutely. Uh, you did mention the no reaction time hand touch takedown being a thing of the past now, and yep. which it did become comical. There were a couple very memorable situations last year where guy drags behind, gets up, guy hits a roll, um, and comes out, they come out facing each other basically. And, uh, the ref has two and one for an escape and everyone's like, how was that a takedown and everything? And then, you know, there was rear standing control, then a hand touch. And it didn't, it didn't really pass that smell test. It didn't really like, it's it's tough to explain to your girlfriend, I always say. Yeah, like, or you know, even funny. an
1: average fan. Think about an average high school fan. And you try <laughs> to explain that. I mean, you know, the the, uh, the 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 absolute classic, perfectly called situation. You know, and when you go to sudden victory, it's even worse, right? Because now the match is over. You know, in a dual meet, unless the guy can roll through and get a reversal or come up or whatever. At least it would be two and one or two and two. But the uh, – I forget the guy's names. The Penn State 97-pounder and the Ryder kid – and I believe Gary Wade had the match um, and it was a sudden victory. And uh, the Rider kid lifted up the Penn State kid and returned him and his hand, you know, he, he tucked his hand under, it, but his hand touched. And uh, he, of course, rolled through and came out on top with the Rider kid being on his back. But the match was stopped as soon as his hand touched because that was a rear standing hand touch takedown. So um, I think that was
0: Laird and Max Dean. Yeah, that's it.
1: it. Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah, so and it was Gary called it perfectly. Um but that's an example of yeah is that's a takedown. Come on. You know. I mean even to the average fan you're like, yeah, that guy wins cuz this dude's hand touched the mat. <laughs> even though that dude ended up on top with the guy on his back, he loses. Um so I am really happy that rule is gone. Um I think it's going to make our job much easier, more consistently called. Just traditional control the way we've done it for most of our entire life, uh, other than the last five or six years.
0: So now, though, the hand touching has to be beyond reaction time, which I guess the only situation this ever could really come back and bite us is end of the period. Guy gets behind. He's tripping and guy quick hits his hand and comes up. Then there's the buzzer. Um, Everyone in the room wants to especially in a place like Carver Hawkeye or something like that. So you might have a situation like that that might not sit well with the fans but I think 9 times out of 10 this is a positive change.
1: Oh, I think it's a very positive change. Yeah. Yeah. So look, reaction time is going to be different for everyone. The the 6 of us that are looking at each other right now, our reaction time might be different. A half a second, you know, plus or minus whatever. Um not only that, but I think the reaction time is going to be different depending on the situation, whether it's a takedown or a reversal um, or think about a feet to back or uh, offensive – defensive guy puts himself in near fall for a second trying to get a reversal, uh, and then the offensive guy holds him there. You know, all of these situations where we are allowed to apply reaction time, um, I think they're going to be different per situation, um, and I think they're going to be different per, per official, you know. You can't set it in stone and say it's one second or 1.25 or 8, you know, 0.875. So, um, again, it gives us some latitude and the ability to use our judgment. Um, And I'm a big fan of that.
2: Speaking of takedowns this year, Mike, we have the three-point takedown. What's going to be the proper mechanic for displaying the three points this year? So, Mike, right now, since for the podcast, people that can't see his fingers, he's holding up his pinky. His yep. ring and his middle finger. Yep,
1: Correct. Yeah. That was my first decision when I got to the job. They, they said, what do you want it to be? And I said this. <laughs> I mean, that's what we do for a three-point near fall when we had it, right? I don't want it to be this. Um, I, I don't uh, – that's maybe hard. I think this is just more consistent. You know, that's what we have done when we did do three-point near fall. So it just makes sense to me.
2: So we're going to have the same three for near fall this year
0: and the take and the take Yeah.
1: Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. No problem.
0: Anything else, Shane and Jr. Uh, on the rule changes here?
3: Yeah, no, I, I think that, um, you know, Jimmy last night, uh, obviously, um, uh, I want to give him props for putting himself out there. Um, <clears throat> Jimmy did a really good job. I don't think since I've been calling NCAAs that anybody has uh, any of the rules interpreters have ever, uh, you know, got on with a, a, in a conference call with the officials. So I wanted to give him a lot of props and even Jimmy last night, there there's some uncertainties that they're working on. They haven't, you know, they haven't uh, clarified, but they'll, they'll, they're working on it. And I, and again, I think it was a really, really good call to have and, and, get the season going. So I wanted to give him some props with that.
1: Yeah. 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 It's been nice. I've known Jimmy for thirty years. Uh, we you know, he's an East Coast guy originally before he moved to LA. So we refereed way back in the nineties together. Um and so it's not you know, for me, again, selfishly thinking of us as officials, uh, I'm I'm very happy that a former official is in the Secretary Rules editor position, you know, because he knows what we feel. It feels like to have to make a decision right in front of 15,000 people uh, when the whistle blows at the end of the period. Um, and I think his thought processes uh, are going to be more aligned with our thought processes, although he has a job to do, right? Different than our job. Um, I love the fact that it's an official who uh, at least has some insight into how it feels and, and what goes through our mind when he's writing a rule and the language of that rule and how it impacts how we have to then translate it to the mat, you know? Um, so, yeah, he and I talk five days a week. I mean, honestly, you know, I don't think I'll make a decision without his input or running it by him. And, you know, he has said the same thing to me. So I'm hoping that going forward, you know, neither one of us will be blindsided by what the other person says or posts. Um, I think it's just, a good situation that we have jimmy there right now
0: well absolutely and, and every time you have things in sports maybe not so much in track and swimming but in most of the sports uh it's dynamic there's always going to be interesting things and wrestling's not alone i mean heck we still don't know what a catch is in the nfl
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> um I, I imagine one of your uh, duties or goals uh tasks is uh you know, getting more officials. Um, I know the average age of the officials is is probably up there a bit higher than than we'd mm-hmm. like. And uh, you know, what are what are some of those uh, thoughts going through your head here in early days on growing those ranks? I, I still think we're a, a bit behind where we were in 2020 as far as sheer numbers.
1: Yeah. So I was in Indianapolis last two weeks ago for some meetings, and um, you know, they call it the graying of the officiating world, and uh, the average age I want to say was. 48 or something like that, you know? Um, and so the NCA has a couple of programs that I wasn't aware of until I went out there that, that, uh, they will provide grants to guys starting their officiating careers. And it's not just for wrestling. It's across all sports that the NCA sponsors. And I want to say they were uh, $500 grants to help pay for uniforms and joining associations. Um, so I have some information on that that I think we're going to be able to get up on RefQuest. um, the other thing that I, I know um, I think is a great idea, and the D2 coaches committee came up with this, not the D1s, where they are uh, getting – having a referee uh, come in and speak to their kids about getting into officiating. Um, again, regardless of sport, um, because they know it's a great way to stay involved, you know. And, and they said, in it's great kind of analogy, it's a part-time job. You know, hey, do you want to have a part-time job? that will allow you to stay involved in the sport you love and give back and make a little bit of money at the same time. Right. We're not getting rich doing this, but it's, it's a great way to start, stay staying, excuse me, stay involved in the sport. So um, I think that's a great idea. You know, I think depending on the program, um, you know, preseason, maybe, it, you know, I know lots of us go and do uh, Russell offs at schools, right. Um, some of them a little more serious, And structured than others. But, uh, you know, lots of the uh, opportunities, I think we have to be in front of those kids and maybe a non competitive, a real dual meet situation. You know, that's a good opportunity for us to say, hey, you know, when you guys are done, um, this is a great way to stay involved. You know, you can make a little bit of money on the side and uh, put a whistle around your neck, you know. So um, those are a few of the ways. You know, obviously, every year we we grab a handful out of the high school ranks. Um, I know I live near Virginia Beach, and you know, for years we've uh, we evaluate the guys that do the NHSDA tournament, and you know, we always grab four or five of those guys a year and kind of get them into the college ranks and and, and spend some time with them over a three day period, uh, and kind of figure out what's one which guys we think will stick, and you know, kind of. Help push them up the food chain a little bit. So, uh, I know that's what we do have done locally in the past, but, um, yeah, those are just a few of the things where I think we, I think, uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I want to say pre COVID we were, we had like 330 officials registered. Um, and we're just, or, or excuse me, 430 and we're just around 400 right now, but we're not too far behind. Um, but, yeah, that's certainly part of my job description with the NCA is recruitment and retention. So, uh, yeah, we'll get some information out there. But I think talking to the college kids, it, you know, personally, uh, one-on-one, it, or not one-on-one, but in a room with these kids, um, and maybe a little more relaxed atmosphere is one way that I think we could maybe get some guys out, you know. Um, obviously, the way most of us got into this was starting out at high school and working your way up, you um, so, you know, and, and that may not be appealing to some college kids. Right. I don't know. Uh, you know, thank God there are guys that are happy as a, they can be just doing high school. You know, we need those guys, too. Right. And uh, there's some phenomenal officials. There's a couple of guys in Virginia that I've asked more than once to do college and they don't want to. You know, they don't want to travel. Um, they don't want to be away from work or their family, um, which, you know, this certainly requires it, at certain points of your career. Um, and we need those guys, too. You know, so. um, yeah, I'm gonna like.
2: What do you see as the biggest challenge from guys going from high school to college right now? And to, with today, with the new rules that we have and everything, what do you think the biggest challenge for those high school guys
1: is? Um, well, you know, all of the counts, man. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> hard. You know, it, it's just hard. There's, there's, you know, I've officiated for a long, long time at a at a real high level, and you know, the last six or seven years have been harder than the previous twenty. You know. Um, just because of all of the things that we have to monitor and process and watch and make decisions over. Um, I mean, I've, I've said this in front of groups of young officials. I would hate to be you, you know, because the scrutiny is incredible now, you know. I mean, it's awesome that everything's on TV or streamed on flow or track or whatever the case may be, and that's good. You know, the bad part is, you know, if you do a match and you make a mistake when you at the fifth match, you go in the use the bathroom and or go in the locker room to take a leak and get a drink of water. You know, the whole internet's blown up about you, you know, 15 years ago I could be in Carver Hawkeye and make a mistake and no one knew about it till 10 days later, you know, uh, when the VHS came to mail and, uh, you know, it, it's, so the scrutiny is incredible now, uh, you know, the pay, although better than it was 10 years ago, certainly isn't, you know, approaching what football or basketball makes, um, even volleyball, you know, or, or, or baseball. That's kind of how we try and compare ourselves uh, to to, to get more money, you know, as a whole. Um, I think we should get equal pay as baseball and volleyball and we don't. Um, So, um, you know, more money helps you throwing money at it is not going to be the answer, but I think it's going to certainly help younger guys put up with the BS. If they're making more money, you know what I mean? I mean, you're, absolutely. you absolutely a by guy now in a D2 or a D3, you know, dual meet. He leaves his family on a Friday, you know, or Thursday night. Uh, he drives wherever, doesn't get paid mileage, depending on the score, of the association, you know, makes 250 bucks for the match, gets yelled at, you know, called everything under the sun, spends the night. He might have to pay for his own hotel room. You know, he's possibly gone for two and a half days from his family for 300 bucks. Are you kidding me? That's a joke, you know. So, you know, me again, this is me selfishly. I'm going to push hard to get more money um, because I think we deserve it. You know, I don't think there's a group of officials that work harder than we do. Um, And I have some very good friends that are ACC basketball people um, and officials. But, you know, the ball goes through the hoop, man. Everyone in that whole gym knows it's two points. (laughs) If your foot's behind that low line, everyone knows it's three points you know, so uh, the amount of information they have to monitor and process is nowhere near what we have to monitor and process. And the scrutiny we have is unbelievable versus what they have to do. And it sure would be make uh, make our life a lot easier if we got three grand a match for the scrutiny. Who cares? Right. But we don't. We might get 300 a match. And so people sometimes just aren't willing to put up with that. You know, they're not willing to take time away from their family or, or their kids or or whatever um, for the little bit of money that we're able to kind of get, you know? So I think it's important that we raise the fees every, every year, you know, even if it's two or 3%, a cost a living adjustment, you know, gas is more expensive to get there. Hotels, more expensive, everything's more expensive. Why should we not get more money?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I know grocery shopping lately has been fun for <laughs> little kids and everything with a family, but uh yeah, and I, I guess our last bullet point we really had was uh, preparation for the season. Uh, what can we do besides maybe uh, lose a few of those extra pounds uh, to help you move around on the mat?
1: Well, yeah, I mean obviously cardio is important. Um, you know, I, look, even to this day—well, not anymore because I don't ref—but you know, until last year, I mean, the last thing I did before I walked out of the locker room locker room was look at the penalty chart. You know, and I, I'm a big fan of you know, and that was a big beef of my dad. So it was ingrained in me from an early age. Uh, You better know that penalty chart inside and out because everything's good until it ain't, you know, (laughs) and when the crap hits the fan, you better know what signal to, to give what the rule is. um, Because if you screw up, everyone's going to know it. Um, So, you know, obviously know the rules, know the case book that, that goes without saying, but uh, you know, getting penalty probably a little easier for guys that have been around the block for 20 years, you know, than a new guy. But if you know that penalty chart, um, I think that will certainly help. You know, obviously if you're a younger official, I think find a mentor, find a group of mentors, find people you trust that are going to give you honest feedback. Um, If you, you ask them to watch you officiate Um, and, and if, You ask them to give you honest feedback. Don't get mad at them when they give you honest feedback. You know, you have to be willing to accept their criticism, whether it's good or bad, um, because most of the time those guys know what it takes to get to the next level. Um, And so, you know, you can't have thin skin, you know, when you, you know, ask for buddies to give you your opinion, you know, I mean, even till last year, you know, if I had big matches, I mean, first phone call I make in the car is to, Hags or Fitzgerald or Kenny or Kessel or you know, hey, did you guys watch the match? What do you think about this situation at 150? You know, um, because we're constantly talking about the rules um, and situations. So I think conversations good. Uh, find a small group of guys that you trust, um, and uh, and just get ready, man.
2: Moving with that in mind. And the last few getting ready for the season, last few years we've had a nice video that's come out. When do, should we expect that to land on RefQuest?
1: So I think Jimmy is going to do within the next seven to 10 days, uh, some written uh, interpretations. And once he finalizes those, I'm going to then the following week probably put some videos out. Um, you know, again, I, other than the bow and arrow, you know, there's like three different things I think I need to show, honestly. You know, um, so we'll get those videos out. Uh, and, you know, that's part of my job description, obviously, with the uh, NCAA. Um, but I can't really show the videos until Jimmy finishes the language uh, of the different specific situations, you know. So we still got, what, about two months, give or take, um, you know, before we hit the mats for real. But, I, you know, I know I would like to get this stuff out as soon as possible, especially the bow and arrow. I mean, that's the elephant in the room. I think we, you know, again, personally, I think we should start with that one and just get it out of the way so guys can start complaining about it now or start figuring out ways uh, to, to, to get around it. Or, um, you know, maybe there'll be uh, outrage from the coaches and we'll have to make some kind of change. You know, I really don't know um, other than I can tell you that everyone I talk to, that's their first question. For more information about this podcast and other episodes, visit inside the Circle Wrestling.com. inside the Circle Wrestling.com is where we will list information about our podcasts or video and visuals that are associated with certain shows that our presenters use.